Okay, so welcome back. Uh, we're starting Be'ezus Hashem, habit number two. And um, first of all, again, the uh, She tonight has been sponsored of Fushlema Elisheva Bas Sora, Baso Shacholi Yisrael, and also sponsored anonymously uh, for somebody for his children to go out to be B'nai Torah, Ovdeh Hashem and Yerushamayim. So um, last week, before we start the second habit, just want to go over for a moment uh, the first habit was something which I am hoping that we haven't internalized because the idea of these sessions are not just to hear what I'm saying but actually to internalize and hopefully to actually live these ideas because these are ideas that if we, if we live with we can really change around uh, much of our lives as we spoke about in the introduction. So the last habit was the idea of the ability to choose. Right? It was the idea of being proactive as opposed to being reactive. And we explain that to mean that being proactive means that we choose our reactions. We don't become a victim of our environment and our circumstances. We actually have power to choose and the ability to choose everything that we do. And it's a very, very powerful tool to use. It's an incredible idea that that is the very first habit we showed in Chazal, how that comes uh, to be. So that is the idea of choosing how to react, to choose our responses. We move on to habit number two. Now in habit number two, we're actually taking last week's habit and showing what is it that causes that choice. In other words, many of us make choices and we have the ability, as we learned last week, to make those choices. But what exactly is underlying making those choices? What pushes the desires? What actually is the force behind the decisions that we make? And that is a very important thing. Now that we've learned that we can choose our own responses and we can choose how to respond and how to, how to feel, we then have to decide what is basically behind many of the decisions that we make in life, which has tremendous, tremendous um, differences to many of the things that we have. In other words, every situation that we're in has a response. Sometimes it's the right response, sometimes it's the wrong response. And the question is, what is it? Let me give you two examples before I explain. The first of all, what is the second habit? The second habit, as Stephen Covey calls it, is beginning with the end in mind. That is the second habit. Begin with the end in mind. Okay, we'll see it's a very Jewish concept, has a lot of Mercurius as well. Let me give you two examples. And we'll try to drive this home in a real way. Imagine if a man waits very long for his wife to be ready before a hasana. He's waiting, he's waiting, he's dressed. It would have taken five minutes to get dressed. He put on a suit and off he goes. He's ready, right? And she's, Kenina, she's taking her time. She's taking her time. And he's waiting and waiting. And he wants to get there, the smorgasbord, right? He's got to get there in time for the food. If he's late, then who knows what he's going to miss. And he's getting really, really anxious, getting really upset. By the time it comes to the next wedding, or bar mitzvah, or simcha, or any situation, he says to himself, you know what? I'm going to make her wait. Right? That, that's the decision. That was his reaction to what happened. Now, what does Stephen Covey mean by beginning with the end in mind? He basically means everyone has to have a goal. And our decisions are often pushed by the goals that we have. The goals that we have should be, they don't often, but they should be pushing the decisions that we make. So, for example, in a marriage, what is the goal? The goal is not to serve her right. The goal is not to teach her a lesson. The goal is to have a better marriage, to have a better relationship. Now, hold on a second. The decision you made to pay her back, is that going to help that goal? Is that going to get you closer to that goal? 
Definitely not. Which means, as Stephen Covey is saying, begin with the end in mind. Know your goal. Know what I'm trying to get to. That will affect the decisions that you make. And it will affect many of the decisions that we make, often on a daily basis. Another example. Take children. Right? You have a child. We try to machanach our children as best that we possibly can. And sometimes parents want to show their kids that I am right. I'm the boss. I am in charge. I am right. Now, there's no goal of disciplining your kid. I don't believe any parent can ever say that the goal of having children is to discipline them. That's not the goal. What is the goal of having children? The goal is to bring up and raise and try and produce the best children that you possibly can to go and live their own successful you know, individual life. But if the goal that you're, go- you're setting yourself right now is, I want to teach them, I want to show them I'm right, I'm going to make sure that you're choosing who's right as opposed to the goal, which is to Muhammad a child and make him the best possible, per- possible person that he can be. So the idea again over here is that if you don't have a goal, many of the decisions that you have will be tainted, will be problematic because you don't have a goal, right? It's almost like, and Stephen Covey talks a lot about this, a mission statement. Which company doesn't have a mission statement? If you don't have a mission statement, you're not going to be a successful company. Why? Why can't I be a successful company? I know how to run a company. But you don't have a goal. The mission statement is your goal. Every human being has a goal. We might not realize our goal, and maybe often we don't live with our goal also. And this is what it's all about. In other words, habit one, we choose. Habit number two, what do we choose? What are we going to choose our reaction to be? Now that we've learned we can choose, what are we going to choose our reaction to be? Sometimes it's the wrong choice, and the reason we often make the wrong choice in life is because we're not looking to the goal, we're not looking at the end in mind, and that's why this habit, correctly, follows the one before it. Now, just to have an idea, you know, just to give you an example, you know, we often have many ideas in life. You know, many people have great ideas, I want to do this, I want to do that. And the, the, the whole episode over here is that if you have a goal, you have a bigger picture. It's almost like, you know, everyone should have a roof. Why should everyone have a roof? Das Torah, right? It's something that unfortunately now in our generation has taken a little bit of a back seat. But Das Torah is the idea of having a mentor, having a roof, having someone guide you. Because you have an idea, I want to do something. I didn't know it's correct. It's a great idea. But you have a different perspective. What's your goal? What are you looking to do? And to see whether or not you're actually fitting your goal. I'll give you an example. It's a little bit of a depressing one. But Stephen Covey actually starts the habit in this way. And he actually starts the habit saying that when you read this chapter, you should really close your eyes and find a very quiet environment. And what he, dis- what he tells you to do is imagine you're coming to your own Leviah. Imagine you're showing up to your own Leviah and there's about to be Hespedim. There are going to be speeches all about you. What do you want them to say? What would you like to hear at your Hesped? What would you like family members and friends, Rebbeim and colleagues, whatever it is, to speak about you? He says, what you need to do is you need to close your eyes. You know, it's a little bit of a morbid thought, but it's a, it's, it's a very, very powerful idea. We find the Balei Musa doing this very often. Close your eyes and th- imagine what would you want them to say. Then stop yourself and say, is the life that I am leading now, the decisions that I am making, equaling a result of people saying that? In other words, am I living the life that's going to cause people to say what I want them to say? That, Stephen Covey says, is the goal. Begin with the end in mind. Notice the goal. 
think about the goal, and that should affect every decision that you make. And that's an incredible thing. Now, the truth of the matter is, the way that we have to understand this, and Stephen Covey talks a lot about this, is the difference between two major component, components in, in, in human life, and that is leadership and management, right? When you have a company, you have leadership and you've got management. Leadership is basically the people looking from above, right? They understand what the goal, what is the mission statement of this company, and the management are the ones that carry it out. Now, you need both of them. There's no question about it. You can't have one without the other. You can't just have management. Imagine if you only had management without leadership. That's going to be a big problem. Because, for example, when you build a house, you have architects who take a blueprint and they will design the most beautiful house. And then you have the builders that take that plan and they implement that plan. Now, you can have the greatest builders in the world, but if the plan is flawed, if the plan isn't good, the builders will not be able to build the building. So there again, you see, Begin with the goal and with the end in mind. You have to have the plan, you have to have the leadership in order for the management to be good. And it's a very, very important thing. Stephen Covey gives an example of a ladder. He says, imagine if a person has a ladder and it's a very, very steep ladder, it's a very, very tall ladder, it goes all the way up story after story, floor after floor. And he's climbing and he's climbing and he's climbing. And as he's getting higher and higher, higher he realizes, oh my gosh, I'm on the wrong wall. I, I put the ladder on the wrong wall. What, what do I do now? So you're going to keep on going? No. Because you have to realize, where's the direction? He says, for example, you have a jungle. Imagine if you have a jungle, and you've got these people with big machetes, and they're going all over the place, trying to, everything to fell, all the trees, all the, all the greenery, everything. They've got to clear up the whole area. And the people in charge, the leadership, they're standing up high in the building, and they're saying, guys, stop for a minute. We got the wrong jungle. We're not meant to be here right now. One down the street. And what does everyone say? Shh, quiet. It's working great. We're getting everything down. We're too busy. Sometimes we ourselves are too busy living in the moment. We're living our lives of now, but we're not concentrating on the goal. We don't realize what we're trying to get to. We don't realize the goal is very, very much the most important thing. And it's true, one can't outweigh the other. You have to live in a certain extent in the moment. But subconsciously, you're meant to be living for the goal, and that ultimately should affect the now as well. And that's a very, very important idea, which we have to understand as well. So, leadership is the goal, management is living in the moment. Just to give you a small example, I remember when I set to open up this yeshiva, so it wasn't an easy, easy decision, but one of the main things I was thinking about was, what's the goal? What's the goal? Stam to have yeshiva, that's not a goal on its own. It's right, so a means to an end. But what is the actual goal? So I came up with, and this is what I tell people when I get recruiting in America, that there are certain things that in this yeshiva we try to accomplish. Whatever they are, right? Most of you probably know what they are. But we try to accomplish a certain amount. I normally try to categorize them into three different sections of what this yeshiva represents and what, what the goal of this yeshiva is. Now, why is that important? Because every single time, where, whether we have a staff meeting, whether I myself think about various things that go on in the yeshiva, I always go back to that. What's the goal? And that goal will often reflect on the decisions that we make in this yeshiva. The various decisions that we make are reflected upon the goal, because what's the goal? I need to get to that goal. And therefore, I need to do things that will reflect that goal. And that's our lives in the same way. Every one of us have goals, or should have goals, or maybe do have goals, but don't realize those goals. Are we working towards those goals? 
Are we working towards the end, or are we just living in the moment, and we're just living in the now? Which sounds great, right? I'm just living, well, leave me alone, everything's great, I'm having a great time, what are you, what are you, what are you asking me with the end, and what's going to be? And the, let me just live, I'm 18 years old, what do I have to... It's not true. Because our decisions have to be affected by the end, by what the result is. It's a very, very important thing. You can have the best management, but if you don't have good leadership, it doesn't work. And by the way, next week we'll be discussing, discussing that's the third habit, the management. It's also a very important component. We have to know how to manage ourselves. We have to know the right decisions. We have to know how to use our time properly. That's going to be the next habit. But today's habit is before, we have to know what's pushing and driving all the decisions that you make. Whether you go there, whether you don't go there. Whether you do that, whether you don't do that. Whether all the decisions that we make should be, and in order for them to be the most successful decisions, should be governed by this idea of basically uh, living for the goal. And that is a very, very important idea. And the truth of the matter is, we find this idea in Sphere Soimah, right? We're holding now, as we mentioned in the beginning, the Akdama, we're holding in the time of Sphere Soimah, right before Shavuos, which is a time, as we know, that we try to work on ourselves, we try to become better people, that's what we learned Perky obviously explained. Now, we find a very interesting machloikas when it comes to Sphere Soimah. Machloikas that we're all aware of. And it's a machloikas that goes like this. Is the mitzvah of Svira Sa'imah 49 parts of one mitzvah? So it's one mitzvah of counting, but it just happens to be in 49 parts. And when you get to the end, Erev Shvuz, you're yait to the mitzvah, one mitzvah. Or is it 49 separate mitzvahs of counting every single day? And that's what the mitzvah is. Every single day is a separate mitzvah. So the nafgamina, the difference obviously would be, if you miss one day, as we've spoken about before, can I continue counting with a bracha? Or can I not continue counting with a bracha? Right? If you hold it's one continuous, so I missed one, I made a break, I made an interruption, I can no longer continue with a bracha. However, if I hold it every single day is a separate mitzvah, so I miss one day, okay, move on to the next day, no problem. This is exactly, by the way, this site. Why? The, what the shita that holds that it's all one mitzvah holds, it's all about the goal. Look at the end. It's one mitzvah. Svir get to the goal. Get to the 49th day, you'll be successful. You won. You got the mitzvah. You're yaitzah. According to the man, the Oman, the holds that every day is a mitzvah, so we're not looking necessarily at the goal, but we're looking at now, today. Today is the mitzvah. I think it's so beautiful how those two shitas, which basically we almost go like both of them, and we use both of them, come, come into this idea of the second habit, is that we need both. Yes, we need good management, but we have to know that ultimately our management is run and our decisions are based on the ultimate goal, which is over there, which is a very, very important idea. So that is over there. The other thing as well is, is it's kind of a marshal, I guess, that Stephen Covey brings. And he brings this really on habit one, but I think we can apply this to habit two as well, as well as number one as well. And he brings someone called, you're probably familiar with someone called Viktor Frankl. Right? Viktor Frankl, very, very famous psychologist before the war, and he writes about his experiences. He arrived to Auschwitz, and he was stripped of his, all of his possessions, everything he brought with him, and of course his clothing. And he said he had with him a very, very important manuscript of his personal um, development of psychology, which he himself had developed, and he was very, very lost. He was so upset. He lost that manuscript. This was going to be taking the world by storm. He was all excited to present it to the world. He developed this incredible program, which after the war, he actually did, and and many people use it in psychology, and he was very, very upset, until he was asked to put on clothing 
on one of the other inmates that unfortunately had gone to their death in the gas chambers, and he had to put on their misfit, you know, not right size clothing. And he put it on, and he reached into the pocket. And in that pocket, he, he, found, he felt something. And it was a piece of paper. He took out that piece of paper, and he saw it was a page ripped out of a siddah. And it was on the page of Shema Yisrael. And he said at that moment, it hit him. At that moment, he realized that he cannot live with his thoughts on paper, but he has to live his thoughts. And he explains, and he wrote, he wrote a book, famous book called Search for Meaning, that if there's a why, then you can live with any how and any what. In other words, if there's a purpose to anything that you're doing, you can live with anything. And he lived with this, and he lived through the concentration camps, because he realized there's a purpose, there's a goal. He was getting to something. And that affected his life. That, that was, was completely habit number one. And that affected many, many things. And therefore we have to realize, and this habit is teaching us a tremendous thing. We have to dig deep. And perhaps we should take a few moments and do what Stephen Covey told us and think about our husband and think about what, we, we, what would we want people to think of us? What would we want people to say about us? If they were writing a book about us after 120 years of this world, what would you want them to say? And if you want them to say nice things, is what you're doing in this world going to reflect that? Are you living the life that's going to lead to that? Or are you living a different life? You just want them to think that way. And that's many of the decisions that we have to realize. We cannot live our lives in the moment. We also have to live in the moment. And that's, we're not putting that down. And that's going to be the next habit. But we have to allow our decisions to be affected by the direction, by the goal, by the end. And that's a very, very important thing that we have to realize as well. It's a very, very important thing to say. You know, if he writes that... Um, Effective management without effective leadership is, and he quotes an individual, like straightening deck chairs on the Titanic. It's a wonderful thing to do. You're straightening deck chairs on the Titanic. One, you're making them all look straight, but the place is sinking. It's not working. So if you've got great management and you know that, you think you know how to run your life, but you haven't got good leadership, which means you haven't got a goal that you're working towards, then that's not going to be a good thing. And that's why a person has to realize, he brings in examples of many companies where the, the boss, the CEO of the company, realized that he was so involved in management, he was running the day-to-day things, that he wasn't concentrating on the leadership. He wasn't concentrating on the mission statement and on the goal, and the company ultimately fell until he removed himself and said, I want to work on the goal. And when he worked on the goal, the, co- the company picked up, and it was an incredible thing. I want to just end with one tremendous miser, which I think represents this. There's a story that Rebbe Hanon spoke uh, with a man that he had known when they were younger. And this fr- old friend of Rebbe Hanon's had left Yiddishkeit. He was totally not religious. And this man had become very, very wealthy. And obviously had a totally different lifestyle to obviously Rebbe Hanon, who lived in a very simple, you know, Torah way. And the two of them spent some time together. They were childhood friends. And they schmoozed. As Rebbe Hanon escorted his friend to the train station, so um, they stood there on the platform. The eastbound train, which Rabbi friend needed to board, pulled up. And Rabbi observed that it was an old, dilapidated, rusty noise machine. It was horrible. It wasn't exactly very exciting. And just before his friend boarded that train, which is what he needed, on the other side of the platform came a brand new, mummish like out of the factory, beautiful, sparkling, brand new, state-of-the-art modern train. So he says to his friend, I don't, what, why are you getting on this train? Look at this one. It's beautiful. 
luxurious, nice seats, air conditioning. It's wonderful. Get on that train. It's going to be much more comfortable. So the man was like, what, what, Rabbi, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, I need to go eastbound, and that train is going to the west. So it's going in the wrong direction. So Rabbi Holland said to him, my dear friend, listen to what you're saying. You and I are different trains. We're going on different trains. My train is going into the destination that I need to go to, that I need to travel to. It's going into the opposite direction you are. It's true. Maybe my train is not so comfortable. Maybe it has tremendous sacrifice, tremendous hardship. Maybe there are times when it's difficult and it's not as comfortable as the other one looks. But the other one's going in the wrong direction. So I'm not going to get on it. And that was what he's telling us was this habit. Many times we choose a decision because it's more comfortable, because it fits in our lifestyle. Why? Because it's the now. We're living in the moment. But ultimately what we need to do, and this will change the way we live and change the decisions we make, is by ultimately realizing we have to live with the end in mind. We have to live with the goal. And the goal is many times our ruchnius, our relationship with the Rabbi Yishalaylam, with everything that we have, whether it's chenech with our children, whether it's our marriages, whether it's whatever it may be. We've got to think of those goals and ultimately remember and try to make sure that those goals are subconsciously in our mind and every decision we make brings us closer and closer towards that goal. Okay, but Hashem, next week we're going to go to habit number three. Have a wonderful night.